0: Please listen carefully. Welcome in, everyone. You're listening to another episode of the Heard It Here podcast. Got a great episode lined up for you today. Got a special guest for you, Stone Hansen, writer for DraftSite.com. He actually runs the... NBA mock draft. There, we will be talking about that in detail on this episode. Also, follow Stone on Twitter at report underscore court. Uh, he has a lot of great scouting analysis there as well. Stone, welcome onto the podcast. It is a pleasure to have you on. How's, how have you been?
1: Uh, pretty good, man. Thanks for having me. <clears throat> of Course,
0: excited to talk draft. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm excited to talk about this stuff. You know, it's. Very early in the college basketball season, but those of us that are, I think, really into you know prospect scouting, we've been we've we've had our eye on this the day after the twenty nineteen draft. Honestly, <laughs> uh, if yeah. not before then, when the
1: draft ends. It's time for twenty twenty. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So, uh, we are just gonna go over Stone's uh, new mock draft that he published. I think the biggest thing. But obviously, I know a lot of my listeners are not big into prospect scouting, more like NBA focused in general. So, we'll, we'll give a good, um, just sort of framing of the draft as a whole, talk about some of the biggest names and some of the trends of the draft thus far. Then, we're just going to talk about some of the places Stone uh, differentiates from conventional wisdom, you know, some of the bigger outlets often can be more conservative, and we'll see some of the guys that Stone is maybe a little higher on, maybe a little lower on. Yeah, it's going to be a good episode. I think the thing I mentioned that I wanted to lead off with, obviously huge news in the college basketball world and in the prospect scouting world to be certain, Uh, James Wiseman, Memphis center and number one overall recruit in this 2019 high school class, has Withdrawn his case against the NCAA by advice of his legal team. And Memphis has thus decided to sit him um, until he is deemed eligible by the NCAA. That is now um, an undergoing appeal by Memphis. James Wiseman's not playing, though. We saw he played that game versus Oregon Despite being ruled ineligible by the NCAA, he had that court junction by, by a Memphis local court that sort of overrode, supposedly overrode the NCAA violation. In, in reality, what Memphis was doing was playing Wiseman in spite of the suspension, and if Wiseman was later to be deemed ineligible by the NCAA, if the case was eventually lost, Um, Memphis would vacate those games so this is a huge development Stone just I guess what are your first impressions on this before we dive into Wiseman as a prospect
1: yeah uh, this is a wild story Um, as seemed like 10 minutes after the news came out that he would be ineligible it was reversed and then I was looking on my phone it was going crazy everyone's like wow he's playing tonight and then all of a sudden now um, of course he's now withdrawn his lawsuit and I believe I heard that they were gonna take him out for 10 games or so but um I'm not too clear on that uh but yeah this is a crazy story
0: yeah it's it's I think it's pretty unprecedented the um at least this idea that Memphis played him while he was ineligible I I think a lot of this probably stems back to the recent legal sort of stir-up that we had in California with the um, the, the player-likeness legislation. Yeah, right, right. right, yeah, I, I think that probably had a big impact on Memphis as a university feeling like, well, you know, I mean, <laughs> the federal government is stepping in on this and saying the NCAA is being irrational, you know. Yeah. Maybe it's time for us to take a stand. And I think having a new coach like Penny Hardaway Uh, standing behind him, standing behind James Wiseman as this incredible prospect. Um, I I think that is a smart move for Memphis, I think, even though it hasn't worked out. And they were quick to pull the plug, obviously. I I think Wiseman, his team of lawyers, and Memphis and their team of lawyers were working pretty closely together on this. Um, But I I think it was a smart move for them to try to stand behind Wiseman and, and fight this to the extent that they could. Uh, without, you know, severely damaging the university or Wiseman's career itself.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, the NCAA has just been so... ..circumstances, like, to be able to punish James Wiseman for something that was ultimately more uh, relative to the coach, Penny, for helping him move in, like, 2018 or something, uh, it's just ridiculous. Um, And I think the NCAA... It's a learning process for both sides, um, and I'm hoping that uh, something good will come out of this in the future, at least.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I think that's the biggest takeaway would be, I hope this is, you know, it, similar to we saw when Darius Baisley went to the G League. That it wasn't really that Darius Basley's going to the G League, or, or when Terrence Ferguson went over to um, the NBL. It's that guys will follow that path. Um, and it, it, it's exciting to see a university stand up to the NCAA. It's one thing for the federal government to do it, but for a university that is, quote-unquote, governed by the NCAA, I mean, that's, 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 that's a huge step. Um, and one of the most jarring things, I think, going back to what you're talking about, how this is really, I mean, it's, a, it's Penny Hardaway's fault. It's not even James Wiseman's fault. How is he the one being punished for this? There was a, an interview asking Penny Hardaway a question. And it was just, oh man, I don't know if I'll, I don't have the, the exact quote in my mind, but it was something along the lines of asking just, like, whether James Wiseman, or, 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 or whether this says anything about J- James Wiseman, like, that this has happened. And it's just like, no, like, what are you talking about? Like, it, it, he's talking about character concerns with this? Like, this is not a, it's not a character thing. He was moving it's yeah it's definitely it's
1: uh and I'm one of the things I think that I take into account more so than others is character um, I watch a lot of interviews on prospects to see their character like for a reason um, I wasn't big into Josh Jackson was his character he had a lot of character flaws um, I mean and that's not to say overall court productions like my main focus but I think I factored it a little bit more than other people and um, this is absolutely nothing to do with James Wiseman. Uh, he's never had a complaint or anything about his character. Um, all his interviews, he seems like a really good guy. Uh, yeah, so I think I think a lot of it's being overblown, um, and he really had nothing to do with this.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's the biggest thing. Is this is? I mean, I really doubt high school age James Wiseman was the. Um, one organizing this I would imagine it was probably Penny and Wiseman's parents it's 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 a bizarre system it is just it's based on you know fallacy um, that, that that this is somehow an indictment on the player and I think the fact that you know out of all of this the only thing that comes out of it is James Wiseman sits the university suffers no repercussions the coach suffers no repercussions nobody suffers repercussions but the player and that's just it's 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 illogical yeah i think i mean i think you know i think this is still an ongoing saga to be sure we're very early in the college basketball season and you know this has already had multiple twists and turns i certainly expect more to come out about this in the future you know i ho- i i mean i hope we see him play i mean <laughs> yeah it, it's I'm no- not the
1: biggest Wiseman fan uh but yeah it's ridiculous that he can't play you know the game he loves so much uh and I think this is why we're seeing a lot of top prospects starting to go overseas now, and uh it's honestly kind of looking like a smart choice because NCAA is just becoming such a joke right now
0: yeah it's just it's not worth the gamble, you know i mean. Yeah. Um, when all the stuff came out uh, last year with the wiretapping, I-, I know Zion was one of the names mentioned in that, right? I mean, what would have happened if they held Zion out for the year? We wouldn't have had Zion in college basketball? Do you know how much money the NCAA would have lost doing that? It, it really, it, 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 it's... It may not have even been the first pick because of it. It's, it's certainly possible. I think, it, without a doubt, it's certainly possible. It's just, it makes sense for nobody. It, like There's not even somebody exploiting this system. Like, who wins? Everybody loses here. Exactly. Not even the NCAA gets anything out of this. It's so inane. Oh,
1: God. Moving forward, because um, honestly, I think we're going to start see more and more each year of these top guys going overseas. And the NCAA is going to start missing out.
0: Yeah. No, I don't doubt it. I I think all the concern of that is the NBA moving to the drafting straight out of high school. But, you know, removing the age limit. Uh, the one and one and done rule, but I mean, I, this this is, this, I I think that recruits are gonna start going other places, as you said. Uh, why not just play a fifth year over at IMG? I mean, exactly. what, what is what and is college NCAA gonna do for is you?
1: It's a lot more obviously than NCAA since they don't make anything there. So right, but just logically, um, you know, there's some sense to it.
0: Yeah, I agree. I I I think somebody. You know, and right now it's been the NBL that has really um, stepped forward to take advantage of this broken system. There's yeah. certainly going to be more groups that step forward, though.
1: Yeah, and I think the NBL makes a lot of sense, too, because um, it's not as big a culture shock as, say, going to, you know, China or somewhere, um, you know, a little bit more out of the realm of America. Like they still speak English there, um, it's a lot closer. So I feel like the NBL is going to um, continue writing this.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think they um, have a big leg up. I think the G League is obviously the other place you look. Haven't really... I, I've I've been a little discouraged with how slowly they, they... They haven't been aggressive in sort of pouncing on this this faltering by the NCAA. Like, this would be the time to really try to swoop in if you're the G League. And, and try to turn... And honestly, I think, and I I really want to, I should just do like a whole like piece on this. I think the G League um, should be a huge, the NBA should just be investing a lot more into it and trying to get more of these high caliber prospects playing in there. Like, like, if you had Zion in the G League for a year, just because that was the norm, you would make so much money doing that. I just, I think that would be a very valuable thing. If you're yeah. able to steal that year, like from college, and put them in the G League,
1: like- exactly. And I think it starts with. Um, I think they began ruling like they would give something along the lines of like a hundred and forty thousand dollar contracts, uh, and I think they need to up that if they really want to take it seriously.
0: Right. Yeah. No. And obviously, the two way contracts have have sort of put a lot of focus on the G league just in terms of NBA fans now they're paying attention to it but but I think I, I think the two-way contracts are cool um, and, and they are very helpful. but I think you are sort of you you have the two-way contracts you need to as well so so I think the two-way contracts are good for number one, older guys who sort of need that last contract spot to get in and prove that they are a rotation level player. You know, just like even if it's a fringe guy, um, or it's for just like a young, you know, flyer. Yeah, the G League's good for that. You know, these top stars should be going through the G League as well, though, and that's what yeah. they need to really focus on. Like the two-way contracts were a huge success. Um, it's put the G League into the minds of NBA fans. But if you were able to get even just a couple of guys, even if just Basley was there. Like and Bazley's not that exciting, but so if you imagine if you had Lamelo Ball and um and R.J. Hampton in the G League this year, like there'd be yeah. there'd be I think there'd be way more excitement than even the NBL's getting, cause like yeah, so many people around here would be going to those games. I would yeah. like if if they had games with in in Georgia or North Carolina, I would drive four get four hours to watch R.J. Hampton play. I mean that's yeah. awesome. So. Yeah, well, I, think, yeah. <laughs> I think that's probably probably unless you had any last uh, closing words on this, that's probably enough. But it, clearly, I think the tide is changing. I think that's the biggest biggest thing to note in all of this.
1: Yeah, I think um, the last thing I'll say on that is you probably it's um, just going to take that one uh, you know five star recreate to make that decision and kind of blaze that trail for other guys.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So Let's go ahead and dig into your mock draft. So I assume you put this up last weekend, right? This updated version.
1: Uh, correct. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So we'll start with. I, I guess we can start, you know, with that top three. There's been a general. It seems to be a widespread consensus that there's a, you know, top tier of three prospects, namely Cole Anthony, point guard at North Carolina. Anthony Edwards, shooting guard at Georgia, and the aforementioned James Wiseman at Memphis. You have those guys ranked in that order. Cole at number one, Anthony Edwards two, Wiseman three. Um, The first thing I want to ask is, do you see any possibility that this Wiseman nonsense impacts his draft stock to the point he falls out of the top five? Um, And second... How how much so I, I I think you if I've if I've gotten the just your tweets right you seem to think that Cole Anthony is you know definitely a clear number one not in terms of he's in a, a tier above Anthony Edwards but you, you seem pretty confident in putting him there right now. What would a guy like Edwards or even uh, LaMelo Ball or James Wiseman have to do to get there? And, and actually, a better way to ask
1: that is there anyone in particular you see really threatening Cole for that top spot? For me, I have Cole um, pretty close to being a tier ahead of those guys, actually. Uh, he's just so um, athletically gifted as a point guard, and that's something that's huge for me. Um, like Anthony Simons, for example, super athletic point guard. Uh, and that quick touch, athleticism um, and Cole Anthony's ability to just shoot off the dribble, all of that stuff, um, he's just, he's so far ahead at number one for me. Um, but that's not to say that he couldn't disappoint at points throughout the season. Um, and I think there's room for guys to catch up uh, and close that gap. But right now, uh, I don't really see anyone overtaking that number one spot.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, I don't think that's entirely unreasonable. Um, I think there are quite a a lot of people out there that agree with you as well. And and in my personal evaluation, um, I I I've studied Anthony Edwards a decent bit. I haven't watched Wiseman much at all, and I've only watched Anthony um sort of brief uh, Cole Anthony briefly. But he he certainly does seem like. The most ready-made number one prospect in this draft, um, I, I would definitely be pretty scared of taking Anthony Edwards number one right now. Um, I would not. I, I would feel a lot more confident taking Cole Anthony. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so, let's see. What's? Let, let's talk about these guys since we're on the subject. So Cole Anthony, we talked about his off the dribble shooting, all, all around his. His scoring game seems to be the biggest draw, but what have you seen from him as a passer and just an overall floor general?
1: Um, I think he's a really good passer on the move. Um, He's able to find guys uh, as cutting all the time. Um, He's really good about um, sharing the ball. He's not um, one of those guys that, you know, he can take over scoring games, and we saw that in his first game, but he's really good about um, making the right decisions. Uh, If there's a... If there's a shot that's you know, pretty highly contested, he's good about finding an open teammate or um, passing out of double teams. Um, and then I think what sets him apart from a lot of point guards um, is he's a really good defender on ball. He can stick with the guy at the point of attack. Um, he's really good about um, getting O-round screens and stuff like that. And um, he's a really great rebounder, um, which is... Becoming, I think, more and more important for point guards because um, they're able to push transition in this transition happy NBA that we live in. So he's really able to push the pace and, um, you know, kind of just demand the flow of the game as it goes on.
0: Yeah, no, and I think that last point you made about um, his his rebounding skill and that feeding into his transition is a a great point. Um, And that is something I wanted to hit on, I think. Cole, obviously, a lot of these great scorers. You think of guys like Ben Simmons. It, even further in the past, Derrick Rose, John Wall. Um, a lot of these upper-level point guards really thrive in transition because usually, if you're a point guard being taken number one overall, you, you're an athletic specimen. Um, even a guy like Kyrie Irving, not quite the level of those guys. You know, he 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 was number one for a different different set of reasons but he's still a pretty amazing athlete um certainly an above average athlete even at his position in the nba i i, I would say you know I, uh, so i guess i i think cole anthony's transition is gonna be a big part of how he translates right away in the nba what do you see as obviously um you know he's he's a very quick guy I think his sort of dunking ability catches a lot of people off guard. You know, he's he's got a very impressive sort of quick twitch leap that I think catches guys off guard. It's similar to uh, when you see Damian Lillard rise up and dunk. Um, I think yeah. Cole Anthony has the same level of, like, just quick explosion. Um, so do you want to maybe talk about just that, how you see Cole uh, succeed in transition, than any other ways that – you know, what is
1: what are his strengths in transition that really allow him to thrive there? I think you hit on it right there. Uh, he's really got some insane leaping ability, uh, and it does kind of catch you off guard because he has kind of a smaller frame. He has he really has that uh, Derek Rose level burst that we saw years ago, um, where he's just able to get out uh, so quickly in front of other guys that um, you know he can really uh, just find the open guy because he's so far out ahead um, or he can just blow by defenses in transition and uh, rise up for that dunk. And I think his rebounding to get back to it is he's uh, he doesn't wait for those long rebounds to come to him or kind of track them as they come out. He fights in there with the bigs. Um, and I think that's something that's really uh, sets him apart from a lot of other point guards. Um, he fights there with, you know, the seven footers and uh, the big men. So he kind of bangs down low. And um, he's able to get that board and just, you know, bullet past everybody else, which is really impressive. And that athleticism, you kind of worry about how he lands and stuff like that. We've seen it with other athletic guys, such as Derek Rose, Russell Westbrook. Um, but he, with his with his passing ability, I don't think you have to worry about him relying on his athleticism all the time. Um, and he's a better shooter than those guys. So uh, I think he's really just the all-around point guard that um, everybody's looking for.
0: Yeah, so I think that, you know, we we have mentioned the name Derrick Rose a couple of times, and obviously nowadays when you mention Derrick Rose, you do go back to that idea of uh, injury, namely, you know, leg, knee injuries. You did mention, you know, Cole does have, I mean, he's just, he's got a really aggressive mentality he is, I don't want to say the word reckless, um, you know, he's just, I mean, he's hes a hard-nosed player. As you said, he's in there working on rebounds. Um, he, 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 he's just not going to, he, I mean, he's just a tough player. Um, and I think as players get older, they start to learn to pick their battles in terms of just, you know, you, you don't, you it's not worth suffering that, catastrophic injury you know think about like a guy like RG3 in football it's just you can be as great as you want but once that injury happens there's just nothing you can really do and I think that is certainly a concern for a guy like Anthony as we talked about with his leaping ability uh, at his size his quickness I I do sort of hope that and and I think you know there's probably some truth to this with the evolution of, you know, just just as medicine continues to develop. You know, I think sports medicine, uh, sports science has developed so much, so rapidly, and I think it's going to continue to be such a huge focus, (laughs) especially as we start to have, you know, incredibly highly paid athletes that can pay a ton of money for, you know, the best sort of uh, technology and equipment, Uh, this this sort of medical treatment. It's going to become a lot more worthwhile to... You know, and there's going to be a lot more people selling stuff, you know, working with these teams. You know, cryotherapy, that's something we've seen teams like the Warriors start to adapt. It's just going to become more and more advanced. And I think, you know, teams are going to teach a guy like John Morant, like Cole Anthony, this is how you land to avoid injury. This is how you, this is, this is when you, uh, in football terms again, slide, you know, don't, don't take the tackle. I, I think yeah,
1: definitely. we've progressed a lot in that area. Right. I think um he's he doesn't rely on athleticism as much as a Westbrook. Like you see Westbrook and it's just the whole game, he's just pounding, pounding, pounding the paint, um just slashing, driving, putting a lot of wear and tear on his body. But I think Anthony's um he has other levels. He's not going full speed the whole game and um I think he doesn't rely on that quick twitch burst like Derrick Rose does for every single play, like he did early on in his career. Um, and he's a better passer, I think, at his age than those guys were. So, and um, he's able to, you know, kind of take that load off of himself at points throughout the game.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I think that, um, as you're saying, that's going to be a huge part of keeping the wear and tear off those knees. Uh, and I think, you know. Teams will come up with other techniques. I think. I think you know, if you go and ask guys like Derek Rose, go back and ask a guy like Andre Miller. I'm sure he had you know tips, um, little tricks that he used to keep his knees, uh, you know, intact. Um, I, I I do want to talk a little more about the mentality of Cole Anthony. You know, you mentioned when we were talking about Wiseman that you like to watch interviews, um, sort of get into the character of guys. What have you seen in the interviews you've watched of Anthony? Um, and what are a couple of the character traits that really stand out and define Cole as a player?
1: So, yeah, I I like to watch a lot of interviews because, um, like I said before, I watch it more for red flags as opposed to, um, you know, something that stands out great about a player, uh, which, of course, is every team wants that. But um, when you see a red flag, I think, You know, it becomes kind of a problem with teammates in the locker room, um, a distraction off the court, and uh, can mess with the player's mentality. So with Cole Anthony, I haven't really seen anything like that. Um, He seems to be, you know, a really good kid, good head on his shoulders. Um, I think his maturity shows in his game a lot. Like I said, he's um, really mature in finding, making the right play. He makes the play um, the right one all the time, Uh, and I think um you know it shows in interviews as well he's really poised how he carries himself um answers all the questions um in depth a bit more than other guys maybe um but like I said not really any red flags with him and that's kind of what I'm looking for with interviews
0: yeah no I I think that's reasonable you know especially when you're trying to cover uh, a lot of guys in the class that's that's that is Right, I, I think there's an advantage to being a, a an exemplary person, but it's much more marginal than the uh, the, the disadvantage of being a shitty person. Uh, yeah. To to put it frankly, um, I, I think we've you know, I think, yeah, that's, that's I think that's pretty good on Cole Anthony, um, a guy I'm definitely very excited to see going forward. This North Carolina team looks like it could. Um, You know, I I mean, obviously they're always competing in the ACC, but I mean, with Cole at the helm, I think you know, (laughs) there's no telling what we can see. Um, Yeah, yeah. So I want to go ahead and talk about Anthony Edwards now. We're gonna hit on one of Cole's teammates uh, as one of your risers later, but Anthony Edwards. Too complex. Guy at Georgia played high school ball on a smaller team. Unlike you know, Cole Anthony was up at Oak Hill in Virginia. Um, Anthony actually transferred uh, to Holy Spirit Prep in Georgia, but still just a smaller school. Um, Did I think was he was like not in? um, Wasn't it wasn't there something with him and I, I don't know if it was the. Summer AAU circuits, but he was just not as present as some of these, as as most of these top five, top ten recruits usually are.
1: Isn't that true? Uh, I'm not quite as well versed in AAU as like Mike Gribanov or a lot of the guys at the Stepien, but um, yeah, I think he was a little bit more under the radar as a guy like James Wiseman or Cole Anthony. Those were pretty much the big two.
0: Yeah, and certainly I'm sure a big part of that. Um, Edwards so was originally part of the class of 2019. Had to uh, classify back to 2020 because of academic issues. He was just not going to have. He was. He wasn't going to be eligible. Um, and then after transferring to Holy Spirit, realized he was going to be eligible in time in 2019 and reclassified back. So I, I think that had a lot to do with him flying under the radar and was just a guy that I think was picked up late in the recruiting cycle. Was I think he was a four-star late into the recruiting process. Um, eventually, I mean, he blossomed into a clear, you know, top five or so prospect, you know, over the last year or so, but was not, was not a guy like James Wiseman, who we've been aware of for five years. The biggest thing of his game is obviously his, again, it's his, his athletic school uh, skills and his slashing ability, I would say, it, uh, is often featured as the lead ball handler, um, at least in high school he was, and is just so powerful on the drive. Not necessarily the most creative guy, not necessarily the greatest ball handler at the moment, but you can see just the raw power um, and ability to slash to the rim. So I think the two things I would really want to focus on for Edwards, number one, how much of the shooting do you think is real? I think the—so I I think—I mean, if you want to talk about his his core offense, the slashing, the scoring, I think we should talk about that, you know, a little bit. But I think it kind of is what it is, and he will, you know, learn to be a decent—he's just going to be so dominant as an athlete, he will get to the rim. But just never is going to have the craft, doesn't have phenomenal touch, isn't going to be super creative— the point where he's gonna really feast inside is there anything you want to talk about with his just um driving ability handling whatnot
1: uh yeah so i think edwards i have probably a bigger gap between cole anthony and anthony edwards than a lot of people uh because of like what you said with his touch his shooting ability um i just don't think i buy it as much as most people but his athleticism he's he's going to be able to get to the rim just at will uh he's just He's such a um, strong, he's, this guy's built as a shooting guard. Um, he's going to be able to bully a lot of other rings. Uh, if he can develop more of a post game, I think he'll become a, a much bigger threat in the post. He's not the dynamic um, shot creator that Cole Anthony is in terms of getting his own shot on the perimeter and things like that. Uh, but I think he's going to be able to slash and collapse defenses um, and you know make the right pass to find the open guy on the wing. He should be able to develop more of a touch from outside to become more of a threat out there. Uh, but I don't see him ever really being like a sniper or anything from long range. But I think I think Edwards is um, going to be able to develop more of a handle than he has to be able to kind of become a combo guard. Uh, but I think the hopes right now are that he he develops that. Um, awareness when he is slashing to become a better uh shot creator for others and uh a better um just facilitator from the inside
0: yeah and edwards um anthony edwards certainly i think some of the biggest concerns that would keep him off that number one slot for a lot of people are with consistency um he's just not always consistent you know, especially, you know, the biggest indicators I've seen on defense. I get guys don't try on defense in high school, but man, he would just, I mean, he's so strong and athletic. It would not even be hard for him to defend on some of these plays. Um, just the, just lack of engagement, just, you know, the, the, the expressions he has, it just seems so self-defeating and it's, it's just very strange. Um,
1: Of uh, ball watching and stuff at times it kind of shows a lack of confidence um but i think as as time goes on and as he develops he'll be able to become um you know more engaged with uh with how far his offense comes usually offense leads to engagement on defense so hopefully you know that builds for him
0: yeah and i think he's just prone to some frustration but i think once he's um playing in higher levels of basketball and, and sort of the intensity ratchets up. Um, I, And you can speak to this, uh, I don't know, if from his interviews, you've caught any red flags? Um, he seems like a pretty smart kid with a head on his... He's got his head on his shoulders, so I, I think, you know, um, once he gets the gravity of the games that he's in, he, he will be more focused in game. And it's going to be a process. You can't. There's not a switch you can just turn on, but I think he will get more into the habit of focusing start making more defensive plays and i have seen you know late in games he understands the gravity of the situation and will you know play uh aggressive or or, or will play intense defense um when when the time calls for at the very least so i'm not too worried about that um is there anything you've seen with his you know interviews or anything super notable we don't really have to talk about if there wasn't anything uh
1: yeah i haven't really seen too much um The academics were kind of a little bit of a red flag, um, you know, because a lot of times that leads to guys just not really caring or guys having uh, just a lack of motivation. Um, But, you know, a lot of we see it come around a lot of times, like Mitchell Robinson, for example, had some academic problems, but obviously it doesn't affect him at all now. So uh, there's not too much there, I think, that would cause any any red flags for me.
0: Yeah, I think that's reasonable. I don't think we need to talk too much more about him since there are other guys I wanted to hit on. Um, so, Cole Anthony, number one on your mock draft. Anthony Edwards, two. James Wiseman, three. The rest of the top ten, we have Lamelo Ball, four. Tyrese Maxey, five. Dinia Avdiha six. Jeremiah Robinson Earl, seven. RJ Hampton, eight. Isaac Okoro, nine. And Anjeka Unkog. Oh, God. I probably should have practiced his Andy, name before I came I on. I it
1: a lot of different ways, but it's, it's a tough
0: one. Yeah, that's probably going to be Anyeka O for me. That's that, That's how we in South Carolina pronounce it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it works, it works. Yeah, no, but um, so the two names that really jump out to me is someone that has kept up with, you know, sort of the consensus. I, I feel like I have a decent sort of feel of the pulse of at least draft Twitter, the, the draft community, um, the two guys that you certainly have slotted higher than consensus actually Anyeka would be one as well, but uh, I want to talk about him later uh would be Isaac Okoro at number nine who you actually previously had at six I uh, moved him down a few spots and he's one. I had Mike Grivanov on a couple weeks ago, and he was one of the you know founders of the Okoro fan club he's he's yeah he's he he loves them you know. He's about as as loyal a fan as they come, but Jeremiah Robinson Earl, a guy I have certainly heard hype for. I've seen guys, you know, put him in the teens. Definitely have not seen him as a top ten selection. Um, what is it about his game that has you so excited about his potential?
1: Uh yeah, I'm definitely higher on him than I think anybody else at this point in the game. Uh and yeah, he's just uh He's a phenoc- The guy just can score. Um, and it comes down to that, really. He's a super long combo forward, um, and you know everybody loves length. Uh, and he has a lot. He has all the tools for defensive purposes. Um, he plays passing lanes really well. Uh, as a scorer, he's he's got he's got the potential to be just a great three level scorer. Um, you know, he can work a little bit in the post. Um, has all the mid range tools. Really just he has it all uh, in terms offensively of creating his own shot. Um, And I think that'll shine through for Villanova. Um, And then as a passer, uh, you want to see a bit more for him. That's what I'm really watching this season um, to see how he fares with double teams at times, or, um, you know, if he can slash into the paint and collapse defenses and find, find the open guy. Um, But right now, yeah, I'm definitely higher on him the most. And my mock drafts are more indicative, I think, of what I think teams will do by the end of the season than they are in terms of my board. Because on my board right now, I have them at number six um, and a core at number seven. Uh, So my mock drafts are more in terms of what I think teams will do by the end of the season in the draft than in terms of my actual big board and where I have guys.
0: Right. Yeah. That's really it. So I, I was... More vaguely familiar with Robinson Earl um, coming into the season, I I gotta say I I was sort of I I was under the impression he was more of a defensive prospect. I guess that sort of comes from obviously being a combo forward, um, having the length you talk about. You know, I just assume he is a defensive prospect. Um, Having those that sort of offensive skill set is very enticing. do you want to tell? Me, could could you maybe tell me a little more about how his three shot, three point shot looks? Um, what what sort of is he like a, just a really good catch and shoot guy? Like is it you know? Can you tell me a little about his form? Is there anything that stands out about his three point shooting?
1: Um, yeah, I think. And when I spoke offensively, I'm talking more in terms of potential. I'm just a lot higher on his potential than where he's actually at right now. Um, defensively, he's already he's already pretty well off. Um, so I'm high on him as a two-way guy. And I think uh, offensively, his three-point shot, you want to see a bit quicker release. Um, you know, he, he has to be set, I think, more um, just in terms of his size. Uh, he has to be a little bit more open because um, closeouts and things like that affect him still at this point. So you want to see a quicker release on that shot. Um but he's really good at um getting fakes a bit and uh driving in um and i think I think as time progresses, you'll see his mechanics become a little bit more fluid right now they're kind of clunky I'm high on his potential to just uh, smoothen them out a bit and um you know become a lot more fluid in that area
0: yeah okay that's very interesting um and I think it makes a lot of sense to be to to sort of Envision uh, two way potential in a more defensive prospect with offensive upside. Um, I, I think there's more of a, you know, I, I think people are too inclined to see an offensive guy and assume he can pick up the defense, especially if he's a, you know, a forward sized guy with a good wingspan. Like, I don't know, TJ Warren maybe is an example. Like, he's a, he's a forward, he's got size. You're like, yeah, he's got to defend eventually, right? I mean, yeah. It's just it, it, some guys just will never have – Jabari Parker maybe would be a, a better example. Yeah, um,
1: it just never, never happens to them.
0: Right, yeah, I, I think it's a lot um, – I think it's just a lot riskier proposal to bet on someone like that. I think the thing is, if you're a really good defensive player, especially – I mean, if you've got offensive potential, you've probably got a good enough offense to stick at least, you know, to fit into a role. And if you're good at defense, yeah. you'll always be on the court. If you're on the court, you're going to have chances to improve, to practice, to hone your skill. I think, you know, it's a lot easier to just, you know, break out as an offensive player than a defensive player. Even though, to be fair, it takes a lot more skill, sort of hand-eye coordination stuff to uh, excel as an offensive player. I think a lot of that more comes from just innate talent, um, where defense maybe can come more from practice and mindset. Yeah, that's, I mean, I've. That, that, I think that makes a lot of sense, though, then, to have them that high. Was um, there anything else you want to talk about with his game that just
1: really shines? There's, I mean, not really, <laughs> to be honest with you. I think I've yeah, pretty yeah. much hit on why I'm high on him. Uh, maybe strength is another area where I, I would like to see him improve, um, but, you know, not impact his mobility at all, because I think that's a really big feature for him, is his mobility at that height. Um but yeah, I think, I think that's pretty much it for him. Yeah, no, I mean,
0: and I think, you know, the player you've described, a, um, a, 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 a defensively skilled forward with offensive skills that have clear um, ways to improve, I mean, that's that's certainly worth considering at this, this high of a pick. And as I mentioned, you know, I think it's just very hard to predict this early. In the year, this is this has been described by a lot of people as just kind of a you know shotgun draft. At this point, we're kind yeah. of just putting a bunch of freshmen in there and seeing what happens.
1: <laughs> but yeah, you're going to see my board change a lot. Yesterday.
0: And that's not that'll be you know not just unique to you. That'll be with everybody. Um, you'll see a lot of shifting just across. I'm sure even NBA you know scouts that are watching are going to change their minds a lot. Um, it's just going. We just don't have that much information right now. We're, we're going to learn a ton over this season. Yeah, let's hit on a couple more guys. Let's let's talk uh, about Onyeka since he is there in the top 10. He was by far the biggest... Actually, not by far um his his teammate who we might mention later uh Isaiah Mobley also moved 14 spots but Aniekah was the highest mover was 26th in your uh, mock draft a couple of weeks ago this 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 version is now 10th so a big jump can you tell me about what you've seen in his game so far that has
1: um driven up his value so much uh yeah um defensively I think we saw in that first game he's just he's a monster defensively um he's got like Hassan Whiteside type shot blocking ability from the weak side um just a great help defender shot blocking guy um and then offensively which I wasn't expecting as much seeing him a little bit before before this year um was his cutting ability um he's really good at you know um finding offensively where the ball is and making the right reads and cuts to where he's going to find himself in open spots and places to be effective and um, get easy open shots.
0: Yeah, and so I think obviously the, the biggest thing you look at this early in the season, uh, especially with a guy like him, not, I mean, like six six foot nine, I think um, he's got long arms, but, you know, I think you think you know, are we looking at a competition thing? Do you have any concerns that it's more um, the competition he's facing? Or do you think this is definitely sustainable? The, sh-
1: the eight blocks in the first game, probably <laughs> not quite that level. <laughs> but uh, I, think, I think it's fair to assume that, you know, he's going to be a really good um, rim protector moving forward. Um, defensively, I do have concerns about his strength. He's still pretty raw. Um, his lower body strength, he's going to get moved around in the post a lot. He's going to get bullied a bit in that area. So you want to see, you know, a lot of, um, leg strength and, uh, hip mobility moving forward. Um, but I think, um, offensively was more of a surprise to me just in terms of his, uh, awareness on where to be. Um, and then defensively, I think it's pretty fair to assume that he's going to be a fairly high level, um, rim protector.
0: Yeah. yeah, no, I no, think that that's, uh, that's, that's all pretty, pretty reasonable. reasonable. And um, mm-hmm. I, think I think also worth talking about, I mentioned him earlier, but Isaiah, Isaiah Mobley, his teammate, his um, teammate um, obviously, obviously brother, brother of number one prospects, prospect, at least, at least, in, least in, terms in terms of the 247 composite, composite and a lot of those metrics, uh, Evan Mobley. Um, um, I, 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 I don't know, know if I, I actually fully complete that sense. Isaiah Mobley's brother is Evan Mobley, top recruit in this next year's class. But Isaiah. Playing, playing at USC Southern Cal, Cal alongside um, On you, you moved him moved up to, to 29th, 29th on your board. board. Tell, Tell me a little, little bit about his game. game. I, know I know he, he is um, more, more of a forward sized guy who's, who's got, got a lot of offensive, offensive skill. And, and um, maybe, maybe, I, I don't maybe, know if this is a reasonable, reasonable way to preface, to preface, it. To preface
1: does it. Does he maybe, maybe almost have a Jaunty Porter like game? Kind of, in certain aspects. I think Mobley. They're both very fluid athletes, I would say. Um, I think Mobley is a bit quicker. Um, I think Jonte was a lot more of a you know, standstill guy, finding, finding the right reads and making those types of passes. Jonte was a big guy, too. Isaiah is uh, smaller. And I think Isaiah Mobley, though, he's just a really, really, much like his brother, very fluid guys um, for their length. And moving forward in the NBA, that's kind of, we've seen that trend trending upwards a bit. Um, Just prospects that, you know, 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", guys that can put the ball on the floor a bit and are uh, really fluid with their movements. Mobley, the way they're using him at USC is not ideal, to say the least. Um, They're playing him at the three a lot of the times, and it's just uh, not the best way to optimize him. But I think, um, you know, as a four in the NBA, he's going to be um, asked to, asked to, um, uh, drive in a bit, which is for his height. Uh, he does it really well. And, um, he's, he's just a really natural scorer. Um, his shooting ability, uh, maybe not from three quite yet, but he has a lot of, um, upside and touch to where you can buy into that.
0: Yeah. I I mean, yeah. So that's, that's all, um, Sort of the the gist of what I'd heard it too. Um. So, uh, I the one thing I want to ask, um, as I mentioned, his brother coming in next year. Do you think there's any chance that he, uh, w- wants to stay and play with him for a year? Um, or, I, I mean, I don't know. I I think he's definitely you know, sort of one of those borderline guys. I just think it's worth considering that, you know, he, he might want to come back and, um. I mean, it, it, was, it was certainly, I don't know if you watched much of his high school tape, but it was always fun to watch the two of them beside each other. Um, I don't know. I, th- I, I guess I think it'd be really exciting to see them play one year together. So I personally kind of hope he stays for a year. Um, so I think Evan and Isaiah together is awesome, and they would wreck at USC.
1: Yeah, I think there's definitely a good chance that he could stay. Um, I wouldn't be shocked either way. Uh, but yeah, they I mean, they've grown up playing together. Um, it's a lot like the Porter situation. I think it would be cool for them to, you know, feed off of each other and continue what they've been doing. So I wouldn't be surprised if he does stay. But if he seems like, you know, he's a really sure bet to be a first round lock, um, I think you'll probably see him just enter another draft.
0: Yeah, no, I think that man—that was probably like a subconscious thing where I—I I, I said Jante because it was the same border, brother situation, but yeah, that was exactly sort of what I was getting at. I—I I think uh, when you see them in high school together, they did right. They just—they had a very cohesive game. They just played together so well, and you could tell that they just. Um, yeah, and they're
1: really close off the court too. Um, you know, I think—I uh, think Bleacher Report might have been had a kind of like a little five-minute video on them, and they just seem, like, really close and tight-knit.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, that makes sense. And I know their, um, I believe their their father is, their dad's, like, the one at USC that was, like, their recruiter, so he works there as well. Wouldn't be too shocked to see him return next year, but as you said, it's probably, I mean, with with the ability for guys to sort of enter their name, go to the combine, test the waters, you know, it'll probably be based on the feedback he gets. As it yeah, is in so many it's cases. It's definitely going to
1: come down to that, I think. Um, you know, if he tests well and he gets a lot of good feedback in terms of being, you know, going into that 20-30 range, I think he'll probably stay. But if he's more of a fringe guy who has a fair chance to fall into the middle of the second round, he'll probably come back and play with his brother. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about these
0: last two guys. I want to hit on, to close it out, the two Dub guys. The uh, Washington... Two freshmen, Jaden McDaniels, pretty versatile, really skinny, slender, like 6'10", 6'11", forward with some intriguing offensive skill, but just a lot of inconsistency. And the center, Isaiah Stewart, and and another undersized guy, I think he's like 6'9", as well, uh, like a 7'2", wingspan, uh, very strong, dominant interior player. He rose... You, you bumped Jaden up from 17 to 14 on your mock draft and, and dropped Isaiah from 10 to 17. What did you... So were there any particular games of theirs you watched? I know they played Baylor, right? Yeah. Did you did you watch? Uh, so I guess, you know, what have you
1: seen for the two of them so far? Um, I believe I watched the second half of that game. Uh, I can't remember if it was the first or second half. I think it was the second half. But yeah, uh, Jaden McDaniels... He's a really just up and down guy. Uh, you're gonna see him fluctuate a lot on the mock draft. I think he, you know, he shows flashes of that kind of Brandon Ingram-esque, just super long, fluid shot maker. Um, can you know facilitate a little bit, not quite at that level, uh, but you know he can shoot from pretty much anywhere when he's open, and um, he's good at creating his own shot. And defensively. He's got that length, you know, you really just buy into it because of how long he is, he gets those deflections and stuff like that. But his low lights, man, I mean, when he's not engaged or just not shooting the ball well, it's hard to see what he's giving you. And uh, for Isaiah Stewart, I think he's another guy that he's going to go up and down quite a bit this year. Um, he's got kind of an old school game, which is for big, something I'm starting to shy away from. Uh, you know, when you're um, just predominantly scoring on the inside and don't show a whole lot of touch from the outside, it's hard to really be high <clears throat> on a guy like that as you're like big of the future. Um, taking him that high, like I've seen him go top 10 in a lot of places, and it's just kind of hard to buy into somebody with that kind of archetype. So I think you're going to see both guys move up and down quite a bit this year. But I'm hoping I'm definitely higher on McDaniels, but I'm hoping. Uh, Isaiah Stewart shows a bit more touch from the mid-range at least.
0: Yeah, no, I would say I agree with you on both of those guys for the most part. Um, McDaniels is someone I'm personally just super excited about just because if, I mean, if he can sort of just really break out in one or two areas, like he he has so many things to improve, but shows so many signs that like he could be awesome. That, yeah,
1: he's he's really got like the Brandon Ingram syndrome where it's just like so many things you want to like, but so many things he's inconsistent at.
0: Exactly, like if he, I mean, if if he was just like ten percent more consistent, he'd be, he'd be like a Brandon Ingram level prospect. Is what he would be. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, and I've I've you know, I remember just like hearing like I don't even remember what it was, just hearing like a murmur of someone like, yeah, I, I'm. Jaden McDaniels is my number one on my board like they were definitely he he got a ton of hype at this last summer um a summers aau circuit he he was not even really on most people's radars until the last year or so the range of outcomes with him yeah it, he's i I'll be watching UW is definitely like p- quite possibly my top team to keep um an eye on just because I think McDaniels is He's he's just the guy that could make this class. Um if if he, you know, even turns out to be slightly more than what we're expecting, he could just turn this class from kind of mediocre so-so into, you know, a really exciting class. Um and on Isaiah Stewart as well, I think he is a guy we'll probably see produce a lot this season. That's the general, you know, sort of thought around him is that he's going to look good this year. He's going to produce well, but is he an NBA center? Um, he's probably an NBA rotation center. I'm not personally sold that he's ever going to be a starter in the NBA, long term at least. You know, like maybe yeah, he's that's, a
1: re- that's Right, and maybe I he's a repl- I just heard him move up on, on as the top big in this class for
0: that reason. Yeah, no, I think that's unreasonable. Um, I, 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 you know, I think Isaiah certainly deserves to be in that teens range that most people have him in. But I, I agree. People that have him, you know, in the bottom half of their top ten, that's a little... I just... Yeah. I question your understanding of the modern NBA if you see that in him right now. Um, yeah, not, not, it's just hard to find the archetypes that are so outdated, so to speak. Yeah, he just... He, he either has to be so good at what he does or he's just going to have to branch out. Like, he's not... He's not Montrezl Harrell. I think that's the comparison I've heard once. It's just like, no, dude, what are you talking about?
1: He's not gonna. uh, You you have to pair him with a floor floor spacer if you want him to succeed. Yeah, Um, that's why I have him going to the Mavs right now, just like next to Porzingis. I think it makes a lot of sense. But you have to have him along the lines of somebody like that who can, you know, make room for him to do his thing inside.
0: Yeah, and maybe he will prove that he's worth it. You know, uh, last year Brandon Clark was a guy somewhat similar to that that we've seen his shooting look really good uh, so far in the NBA. I think, you know, a lot of us thought he clearly had the touch that he was he, he was probably going to shoot eventually. Um, Isaiah yeah. Stewart does not have those indicators. But I, I think the point I was getting to is Clark just a lot he, – he brought so much to the table that it was going to be worth trying to pair him and work with his weaknesses, you know. Especially if you're a team like Memphis, you have Jaron Jackson Jr. Heck yes, you pounce on Brandon Clark because there's so much um, you can. So there's so many strengths that you get out of him that you are you're okay with the weaknesses. You'll work with them. Isaiah Stewart, I'm not sure if those strengths that he has are really translating to the NBA to the point where they're so desirable that you have to go out and try to
1: uh, work him into your system. For sure, and I think um, like Clark. There's was a lot more defensive ability. Um, he was just such a good defender. And now he's shooting like 50, 40, 90, I think, on the season so far, uh, which we saw all the kind of indicators that he can, he had some mid-range touch and stuff like that. So I think people were a little more optimistic with him. And Isaiah Stewart, it's just, I don't see the gamble really taking him lottery when there's other talent, I think that's a lot much safer of a bet.
0: Yeah, I agree. It just seems it just seems strange. It seems kind of forced, honestly. It's just like he was he was there um and we know he's going to be good in college, so just draft him. Like we've just seen this happen enough at this point. We don't need to keep doing
1: this. He seemed I think you're going to see him utilized in more of a role where he's kind of like an offensive scoring specialist on the inside like maybe a Greg Monroe or something and I don't really see that as lottery type talent
0: yeah right Uh, yeah the biggest concern for him actually um that i've seen he doesn't like set hard screens i've never seen him set a hard screen and roll hard like maybe he'll learn that and he will be good at that but you know the reason that a guy like mitchell robinson is on the floor um despite not having you know like a a shot or anything the reason he can be a defensive specialist and then play on offense is because he's such a great rim runner and Isaiah Stewart is not a rim runner. Like he's not even he's not a rim runner exactly. Yeah, he's, he's not even not a, a mediocre team. rim runner. Like he just doesn't do it. Which yeah. which yeah, fair. In high school you're not doing it as much, but like he just seems to have no interest in like setting a screen and rolling. I think he would rather yeah, just get I, the ball of dribble and dribble really
1: and shoot. Be it, sure. Yeah, right. Um we'll see though. Um yeah, I definitely don't want to write him off at this point, but it's just that his archetype doesn't leave a whole lot of room to be optimistic
0: yeah definitely Um, as you know as we've seen years past I'm sure we'll see this year all this stuff is in flux it's tough you know especially um, this year we see so many freshmen just with how weak the returning class is that it's just so hard to predict it's so hard to predict Um, yeah it's really far up too yeah (laughs) right yeah it's not till not till next June.
1: Yeah. Oh man. This is, this is like where uh, like the Mike Gribanovs shine though when they get their their early uh, predictions right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna have to start my seven seven month
1: uh, timer. I'm
0: gonna yeah. have to get like that half of my phone or whatever. Oh, oh man, this has been a lot of fun. Thank. I appreciate you coming on, Stone. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. Before you go, let me let me get. All right, I haven't prepped you on this. Let's get one bold prediction for the 2020 NBA draft. It can be anything. It doesn't have to be the draft itself, just with the uh, class.
1: Uh, one bold prediction. Jamius Ramsey will end up a lottery talent. I love it. That's a
0: beautiful draft Twitter prediction. Yeah, They're going to love, love you team for team that. Team, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Stone, I appreciate you coming on again. Check his workout. His mock draft, the full 60 picks, is up at draftsite.com. You can check him out on Twitter at report
1: underscore court. Stone, you got anything else you want to say? Uh, no, that's about it, man. It was a lot of fun. Appreciate you having me on. Of course, man. We'll have to do this
0: again sometime. Uh, there will be a lot to discuss, I'm sure. Uh, as always, stay tuned, y'all. Thanks again, Stone, for coming on. I'll see y'all later. Peace then. Uh, Have a good one. You too, man.